7, verses 7 through 15. This is what the Lord showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall with a plumb line in his hand. The Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? A plumb line, I said. Then the Lord said, See, I am setting a plumb line in the middle of my people Israel. I will never again forgive them. The shrines of Isaac will be made desolate, and the holy places of Israel will be laid waste, that I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, reported to Israel's king Jeroboam, Amos has plotted against you within the house of Israel. The land isn't able to cope with everything that he is saying. Amos has said Jeroboam will die by the sword and Israel will be forced out of its land. Amaziah said to Amos, You who see things, go, run away to the land of Judah, eat your bread there, and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel. For it is the king's holy place and his royal house. Amos answered Amaziah, I am not a prophet, nor am I a prophet's son, but I am a shepherd and a trimmer of sycamore trees. But the Lord took me from shepherding the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. This is the word of the Lord. We don't always um, read the prophets, sometimes because it's just too harsh and too scary to hear how angry they get and how much trouble they get into when they speak the truth to power, because it usually ends up with them losing their heads. Uh, I, I read the, the whole book of Amos this week, and um, it's not an easy read. <laughs> the first seven or so chapters is just wrath, wrath, wrath. And you can, you can sense just how upset and sad God is and how off-center the king and the people of Israel were at that time. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel taught in New York City for many years. Uh, Some friends of mine who are rabbis have told me stories about Rabbi Heschel and and the classes that they sat in with him. He uh, marched with Dr. King in Selma. He uh, was kind of a mystic and a person of deep prayer And he wrote a book on the prophets. And one of his descriptions of the prophets is very helpful for us to understand Amos and all of the prophets of the Hebrew scriptures. And for that matter, all of the prophets that God sends to every age and every people. Rabbi Heschel wrote this. Prophets reminded kings that their sovereignty was not unlimited. He reminded kings that over their understanding of justice, in Hebrew that's mishpat, stood the justice of God. 
there is a higher law, there is a higher power, there is a higher wisdom. As you can imagine, that didn't go over well with kings who were used to calling the shots. And for that matter, it doesn't go well with us or our egos either because we kind of like to call the shots and we don't like to think that there's a higher power or a higher wisdom or a higher law than what we believe the law to be. And God is always sending prophets to say, your law is fine, but there's a higher law. Your wisdom is fine, but there's a higher wisdom. Your understanding of what is right and just is fine, but there is a higher way. And so people of faith were always invited into that humility to know that God has a deeper way, a higher way, whatever metaphor works. Amos lived around 750 before Christ. And it's interesting that in the passage, Amos says to uh, the king and the king's people, look, I'm not a professional prophet. I don't come from a prophet's lineage. My father and mother, they were not prophets I am just a trimmer of sycamore trees. I'm just a herdsman. I take care of the animals. And God called me to prophesy to you, king, and to your people. I'm not a professional. I didn't ask for this. I didn't seek this out. In fact, I don't even know why I'm doing this. But God told me to. I have a profound sense that someone here this morning needs to hear that God calls people to do things they don't expect and don't think they can do. Perhaps someone sitting here is wrestling with a decision or a task or an expectation that has been put on you and you think, Who am I to do that? I'm just a, you fill in the blank. But you're in good company because God calls people who don't think they can do certain things. God calls people to do things that change and transform the world. And we may not think we're capable of doing it or qualified to do it or educated enough to do it or tasked to, God knows what we're capable of. And anything and everything is possible for those who put their trust in God. For Amos, the task was this, to prophesy to the king and say, you've lost your way. To prophesy to the people of Israel and say, you have forgotten what it is to be God's chosen ones. You have forgotten to care for the poor. You have become greedy and self-serving. And you've forgotten that to be one of God's chosen people is to care for all people, especially those who are poor, especially those who are on the margins, especially those who are outcast and deemed unacceptable or unclean by the religious authorities And Amos is speaking to the people of Israel and say, you've forgotten who you are. You have forgotten to care for the poor. 
You have sinned against God and against your neighbor. Well, most of us, when we're honest, we don't like people telling us that we've sinned, that we've lost our way, that we're leaning away from what is plumb, what is centered. Julian of Norwich was a Christian mystic. I think in the 14th century, I forget which century, she had a wonderful way of defining what sin is that helps me understand and claim that sin is not what I grew up understanding sin to be. I don't know about you, but perhaps some of you grew up with preachers whose gesture was this. (laughs) Did any of you have one of those finger-wagging preachers or perhaps a finger-wagging Sunday school teacher or perhaps a finger-wagging parent? And we project all of our God images on most of us, on our parents for better or for worse from a very early age until we get old enough to realize that God is not the same as our parent. If you had a finger-wagging parent, then um, first of all, I'm sorry. If you had a finger-wagging preacher, forgive him or her. Sin is not so much God saying you blew it. Sin is not so much God saying I'm displeased with you. Sin is God saying, according to Julian of Norwich and and others as well, sin grieves the heart of God because the sins we commit stop us from seeing ourselves as God sees us. Hear this again. Sin makes it difficult for us to see ourselves as God sees us, as beloved sons and daughters. And because of the sins that we do by sins of omission or commission, things we wish we had said and done, things we wish we had not said or done, whatever those are, those make us feel less and less beloved. And it makes it harder and harder for us to see the God who is smiling at us and loving us. And that is the sin. It's our own perception that distances us from the love of God and makes it difficult for us to receive God's loving gaze. Amos tells the people of Israel and the king, your sin has stopped you from seeing how God sees you. Your sin has gotten the way in your own minds of a God who smiles on you and has nothing but love for you. God says to Amos, do you see what I've put before you? A plumb line, Amos says. A plumb line, by the way, thank you for those of you who responded to my email this week. I said, do any of you have a plumb line? I must have had about 10 emails within about an hour that said, I've got a plumb line. So I had such a busy week, I couldn't go out to people's houses and pick them up. I wrote them back. I said, if you can bring them, great. This one is from Dick Plambeck. So if you see Dick, you can say, thanks for the plumb line. It was used in the sermon. I also got, I also got this one. Is this yours, Tom? 
Tom Belding, he dropped this one off at the house. This is a hefty one. This is some serious weight on this one. And Lauren Taylor, Lauren brought me one that has a, a belt clip in it. So you can carry your plumb line with you. And, and this is also a pretty hefty one. So I decided to go with uh, the first one I got. It's also the lightest. And I tell you what, it's pretty high up there when I put the ladder up and was tying that up. So I was glad I had a light one. The plumb line, as you can see, started out here, but as time passes, it will ultimately fall plumb because gravity is the same everywhere. And wherever that fixed point is where the plumb line hangs, for thousands of years it helped builders build walls and buildings straight up and down. And without the plumb line, they were eyeballing it. They couldn't really tell if the wall they were building was straight. It may be straight in the context of that setting, but it may not have been straight according to gravity. And so God gave Amos and the people of Israel and us a plumb line as an image, as a metaphor to say, there are certain things you need to look at from God's perspective, if your lives are going to be plumb, if your decisions are going to be straight, if your relationships are going to be centered. For Christians, that plumb line that God sent is Jesus. And everything that we do and say when we are in the flow, when we are in Christ is decided by Christ's ways, Christ's wisdom, Christ's grace, Christ's mercy, compassion, forgiveness. And everything we do and decide needs to be measured by that plumb line. Now Christ gave us many pieces of wisdom that also help us to live lives that are plumb and when they are off plumb, offline, off-centered, off-kiltered, these spiritual disciplines can bring us back to a centered life. One, Jesus didn't create it. It comes from the Hebrew scriptures. It comes from the Hebrew tradition, and that is keeping the Sabbath holy. When we keep the Sabbath holy, it helps us to be reminded of who we are, who we really are. It reminds us of whose we are. It puts all of our work life and stresses in proper perspective that we are God's. And God is looking after us. And God longs to be in relationship with us. And God is so much bigger, so much more loving, so much grander than any of us can imagine. When we keep the Sabbath holy... It helps us realign our lives that so easily get off plumb. Coming to church helps us to keep our lives plumb. It reminds us that we're trying to follow Jesus with one another. We need one another. It gets harder and harder in this increasingly secular world to come to church on Sunday morning because there's so much going on. We need each other to learn how to forgive each other. 
We need each other to learn what it is to grow in faith. Some of us are a little further along in the spiritual life. Some are a little further behind in the spiritual life. We need each other's questions. We need each other's wisdom. We need each other's accountability. Sometimes the plumb line that God gives us is small groups where we are accountable to one another. Early Methodists knew this. To get together once a week to pray together with one another. To pray for one another. To support one another in this Christian journey that we walk together. For others, the plumb line is hands-on ministry. Doing acts of compassion and justice for someone else. This morning, 25 people left that parking lot at 7 a.m. Well, it was a little after 7 a.m. Hmm. 7.45. 7.45. We, we, we were there at 7, but it took us a little while to load up the vans and take the picture. You'll see it on our Facebook page. And to, to pray with parents and loved ones and the, the 25 who are going to rise out in Steuben County this week to do God's work. That experience that they will have is a plumb line that brings some perspective, perhaps some right-sizing of perspective to what life is about and what service to Christ is about. But we don't have to go to Steuben County to do the work of God. Pick the ministry you wish this summer. Pick the volunteer opportunity you wish to help someone else And that may be the plumb line that puts all of life in perspective. Friends, we're going to be sending a group of 13 to Taze in a week and a half. For the thousands who go to Taze every week, we'll be there with probably three or four, maybe 5,000 people, young people. It is a plumb line to see how far we've come from the early church. It's a glimpse into what Christian community looked like 1,700 years ago, 1,600 years ago. And every time we go, we realize, oh my gosh, my life is so out of balance. And the simple life of being in prayer together, being in community together, sharing meals with one another, sharing faith with one another, just for a few days makes us realize, gosh, I don't need all that stuff. I can live a simple or a more simple life, and I can spend time in silence and not be freaked out. (laughs) It's a plumb line that God gives to those who are going to Tizay or to those who are practicing spiritual disciplines of prayer, intentional silence together. That's a plumb line to Allow us to find our way again. Friends, I don't know what the plumb line is for you. But whatever that is, that helps us refocus our center of gravity on the Christ. Let's pay attention to that. However you live that out. Whatever it is that keeps you grounded in your faith, pay attention to that, especially in the summer. In fact, you might even be able to give more time to it in the summer. God is longing for us to recognize that God is smiling in our direction. 
And God delights when we smile back. When we discover what that plumb line is that keeps us focused on Christ from wherever that is, smile back at the one who calls each of us beloved son, beloved daughter. May it be so for you and for me and for the whole world. Amen.